Welcome to the Emergency Mind Podcast. I'm Dan Dworkis, and this is a space where we train ourselves to think and perform better during times of crisis. ER doctors or not, we all face emergencies in our lives, and this podcast is all about getting better at acting during times of uncertainty at stress and learning how to apply knowledge under pressure. So listen up, train hard, and enjoy, because you never know what's coming your way next. To learn more about building your emergency mind and to dig deeper into many of the concepts we get into in this podcast series, head over to our website at emergencymind.com. This episode is a conversation with Professor of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, Gustavo Gasparin. Professor Gustavo is a multiple-time world champion of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, having competed both in the Gi and No-Gi divisions. He holds a black belt under UFC champion as well as Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu world champion Fabricio Verdum. He currently teaches jiu-jitsu in Los Angeles at Dynamics MMA and Uprise MMA, where I'm personally lucky enough to get to train with him. He's also the creator of the super popular and excellent website and learning community for Brazilian jiu-jitsu, MMA Leech. You can find that online at MMAleech.com. That's M-M-A-L-E-E-C-H.com. Professor Gustavo is a truly deep thinker and an absolute expert in performance under stress. We cover a lot of ground in this conversation, and there's things in here that are useful to anybody, whether or not you're a practitioner of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. There are some great details in here about how we learn a skill, both in the beginning as a white belt and then later on as an expert, and a totally awesome conversation about how to not panic when you're in a tight position. As always on this podcast, our mission is to dive into applying knowledge under pressure, not to provide specific medical advice. Additionally, our opinions are our own and not those of our respective employers. All that said, let's get to the episode. I hope you enjoy. Professor, I am so happy to have you on uh, to the podcast and talk about all this. It's been something I've really been looking forward to. um, And just thank you so much for coming on and talking to us. Yeah, no problem. It's my pleasure. Right on. Um, I was hoping we could start. I was actually listening to a podcast that you were doing recently on the Next Level Guy podcast, uh, and you were talking on there a little bit about the idea of the difference between sort of learning a technique in theory and then being able to apply that technique in reality, whether that reality is in a role in the gym or, or even on the street. Um, and I think you you made some comment that was similar to like, yeah, you know, you can watch a lot of stuff on YouTube but the gap between that and reality is really huge. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit more about that idea. Yeah, uh, I think it's, uh, you know, especially nowadays, in in Jiu-Jitsu more specifically, because there's so much stuff now uh, available online, especially. There are books too, of course, but videos and YouTube and instructional courses, you know, so much stuff about Jiu-Jitsu nowadays that even the learning process is much faster now for the student, you know, because there's so much resources outside. You can, you know, watch like 24 hours a day if you want, you know, there's so much content. But at the same time, all the information, you have to make sure you are able to do it. Some stuff you can learn, like general concepts and uh, fundamental stuff that you probably don't even need to drill you know but most of the stuff the techniques you have to actually drill and have a partner so you can try with him you can see how it really works because just reading or or watching a video is not really gonna cut it because 
you have to feel and practice and and feel your the weight of your opponent on top of you see how the mechanics of the move work so yeah it does help and getting the information is it's the first step i would say learning but then mm -hmm. you have to actually practice because otherwise it's not going to be automatic it's going to not going to be a uh, uh, part of your instincts when you really need it right so and also once you start practicing you know you need a number of reps right because it's not going to be perfect or master or good enough in, within your first or five reps so you need lots of reps make sure the move is correct and and you can apply the move in different situations against different people different body sizes and then i think uh, it makes more sense that is going to be part of your arsenal right the the learning and reading and watching even in class when you go to class it's just the first part then it gotta make part of your um game right gotta be part of your what you do hmm. and and how does that work how do you how do you take an idea and go from something that maybe you've seen it in class a couple of times how do you make it part of your of your game like you said yeah so i think it's mostly really true repetition right so I would say first part is learning, second part is trying the move. So in jiu-jitsu, we need a partner, right? There are some jiu-jitsu dummies out there for sale that you can also practice, but it's not the same. You, you need something mm -hmm. live, right? So you practice against your opponent, uh, against your uh, partner first uh, slowly to get the the steps right to get the mechanics right once you get the mechanics right then you can start uh, adding some speed doing faster and faster than the opponent or your partner sorry uh, offers some little resistance trying to make a little more realistic right but the beginning is really is just going through this step by step without much resistance and then you know once you feel good with the mechanics you can add some speed and then ask for your partner to add some resistance and then that's how you start uh making the technique part of your game and then of course i would say the the later stage would be in live training or in competition right because then always something is gonna be a, a little different right the scenario mm -hmm. is a little different maybe the guy moves a little different or you are under pressure because your instructor is watching or you're in a tournament or stuff like that so you know i think those are the stages basically to learn something and actually be able to do it when it really counts <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm having a flashback here to the other day in class when i was just about to apply an arm bar and i looked up and saw you watching me and i got really excited and completely missed the arm bar <laughs> very common yeah. occurrence i would guess yeah that, that's very common to everybody like i have a student that he says like oh I've, i'm doing perfectly then you watch me i <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> time when i fail <laughs> so yeah it happened i remember i used to do the same to you know everybody i think there is a little a little pressure there but you know talking about me specifically i don't really I don't care if if you're failing in front of me. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine because that's just part of the the process. Everybody goes through that, and it's okay.
Exactly. And I think there's a real parallel there between the the sort of arc you just laid out and how we train things in emergency care, which is the idea of, you know, you learn a technique, you learn sort of the theory behind it, then you start deploying it very carefully in very controlled circumstances, and you train it that way. And then over time, you add more and more pressure, either through simulation or through starting to tackle harder and more complicated cases to the point where you're really doing it sort of in the wild, so to speak, when, when everything is there and there's the real sort of like blood and chaos, um, that arc is something that, that I think is really common to learning a lot of different things, I would say. Yeah, I believe so, because it's, you know, at the end of the day, if you want to really be, if you want to be good or a master at something, you have to, you know, try to get all the possibilities around, right? Oh, you're good at this. That's why also in Jiu-Jitsu we have belts, right as you progress through the art you get better and better and better and you know and you start seeing different scenarios you, you know you go against someone better too you go against someone heavier someone who mm-hmm. moves uh, uh differently someone with you know different body sizes so the person is lanky or the person is short the the angles change the the leverage changes a little bit so you have to keep adjusting because the way that you learn technique is a general idea, but you still have to adapt the same technique for different body types, different opponents. Some opponent is faster, some, you know, like I said before, shorter, bigger, or mm-hmm. heavier. So there is a little variations that you have to do in order to make the same technique work. Uh, you have to change little angles, little things here, little things there to compensate for those situations. Hmm. And I know we talked about just a second ago about how important it is in jiu-jitsu to have a real-life partner that you're working with. But when you're sort of sitting by yourself, maybe you're thinking through how a technique works in your mind. When you're visualizing applying that technique, are you specifically visualizing it, applying it against a wide variety of partners? Like, do you, do you imagine somebody that's short and imagine somebody that's tall? Yeah, actually, usually not. Usually okay. I imagine someone... I would say I, I've never thought about that actually, but I think I, I imagine someone about my size mm-hmm. that I would be able to try that technique. And sometimes, yeah, I just lay on the floor and I start uh, moving, like mm-hmm. trying to execute the technique. Even there is nobody if there is nobody with me, but I try by myself. I go to the floor. I, I move like the technique supposed to to work. And I think I mentioned someone about my size because I'm going to have to get some feedback from that person mm. first to see if that's the, the, the correct way to do it. And then when I go against a different size partner, then I'm going to have to adjust on, on the flight, basically, you know, mm. in, in the first time, at least right then with more experience, I, I will know against a bigger guy, I have to do a little change like this and then you know but the first time it has to be uh, you know right away you have to to you know figure out right away and it's hard for the beginner to figure out right away because he doesn't even have the the thought process he doesn't have experience enough that right. it, figuring out on the the flight that is more for the experienced guys where you know they have experience something similar before so they can adjust right away right they can let's say they can figure out they can 
think for themselves, right, and figure out this stuff. The beginner usually he can't think for himself because he doesn't have enough knowledge, right? It's it's limited the knowledge, so he kind of if it it, it either works or not, right? He doesn't mm -hmm. know how much to do adjustments, but the more experienced practitioner, he will definitely uh, figure out stuff as it goes. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking as you're talking about this, about a, a technique we use a lot in emergency care, which is uh, intubation, which is where you're placing a breathing tube for an unconscious patient. And there's a lot of, of technical skill involved in actually getting the tube into the right place, but there's also a lot of sort of mindset and context skill about understanding, you know, the whole picture and if something goes wrong, figuring out what exactly goes wrong and then what to do about it and how to adjust on the fly. And yeah. when you're training people that are at the very beginning, or even when I look back at my own self at the beginning, it would be that very clear black and white, like, oh, I, 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 like, I won, I succeeded, I got a tube in the right place, or I failed, I didn't get a tube in the right place. But you don't really understand, there's, there's so many nuances in there, and you can, um, you can do a couple things correctly and still have a bad outcome. Uh, and understanding how to parse and sort of deconstruct what happened to work backward to figure out what to do is a really important skill set. Um, how, how does that play out for you? And maybe you could answer that, you know, sort of casting yourself backward in time to a younger version that was just starting to learn jujitsu. Like when you first started making that transition from like, you know, this is a plus or a minus to this is a much more nuanced kind of field. How did that work for you? Yeah, I think... Uh to me worked more really i think it, maybe even in general i think it's uh, over time really um i don't even remember when that started but mm -hmm. i have a feeling that started when i really uh, started to take jiu-jitsu more seriously and training more days a week and training more hours per day mm -hmm. so uh, when I really dove into more, I started to, you know, accumulate more hours and that helped me to start figuring out, okay, now, you know, I don't even know how to describe it now. I think it was, I, I had to, <laughs> I had to figure out stuff because, you know, I was spending so much time on the mat that I've you know, if this doesn't work, I cannot just abandon everything and quit. You know, I have to, <laughs> I have to you know, keep keep working on this. You know, I got to make it happen because when you have like a, a limited, let's say you spar like 20 minutes a day per per class, then kind mm -hmm. of it's not much time you kind of and then you go like five minutes per round. Now, if it fails, okay, you know, you look at the clock, you know, the round is about to end, then kind of you don't care much. But, you know, when you do that over and over and over and over, you have to start, you know, and sometimes there is no time limit, right? Mm -hmm. I think that also helps you. It doesn't matter if it's not working. You still have to, you know, find a way, you know, find a way to, to make it work. So I think it happened to me in that kind of scenario. I had to start figuring out because I was there so much that, you know, I wasn't happy going home thinking about, oh, my God, you know, this is not working. And then, you know, I'm just quitting in the middle of the thing. You know, I have, I, it's not acceptable. You know, I've got to keep working, keep working, keep working and, and make the necessary adjustments. Hmm. And and what made you decide to become more serious about jujitsu? Um, 
sort of in general? Yeah, I think it's, um, I thought I was getting better. I mean, since the beginning, as a, you know, a white belt, I kind of felt that even the, the higher belts, they had, you know, they didn't have an easy time against me, you know, even though I didn't, I didn't know much. Mm-hmm. Well, I felt that, yeah, when I learn more, I think I can, you know, I can be good at this. And then I started training, training, and then I started competing. Then my instructor was kind of, he, yeah, he's, he told me that yeah, I had a, I could have a, a bright future if I, you know, dedicated myself. And he was very, um, you know, anytime that I would not go to the class, he would call my home, <laughs> call my mom and speak to my mom. And my mom then would tell me to go, you know, and and even though I was already like 21 or something, you know, uh, I was still living with my parents. And, and he, she would tell me, you know, you go, your, your, your coach just called you, you know, you gotta go, you gotta go. And, you know, I think he was forcing me to go. I was undecided at that moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't know if I really want to do or not because things started to get a little more serious there, you know, like I had to compete, I had to train every day, I had to do like physical uh, uh, training after the jujitsu, and I saw that, well, I don't know, I don't know if I want to get involved that that much in this, mm-hmm. and then, yeah, I think that's, that's how it happened, I was forced to go first, then he encouraged me, and then I started to figure out, yeah, I guess I, you know, I could be good at this, even though I was like, man, it's a lot of work and, <laughs> and thing, you know, anytime that you get promoted, then it just gets worse because it's more pressure. Now, now I'm a blue belt. I have to go against those, you know, blue belts that they have been blue belts for three, four years. So I'm starting from zero now again. And it's, you know. But yeah, I guess it worked out. That's a a really common theme that I hear among basically everybody I talk to about this idea of applying knowledge under pressure is that at some point you have to make that internal decision that this is something that you care about and that you care about it enough and that you, you, you take ownership of it. You know, being good at applying a skill under pressure doesn't happen by accident, whether that skill is emergency or jujitsu or anything else. And, and that switch somewhere in your mind about, you know what, this is mine. I, I own this. I'm going to be good at this is a, is a pretty common theme. Um, also, I, I got to say, like, you know, you know, thank the universe for moms to, like, keep us in line. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah. Yeah. He, he she played a, a huge role that for sure. <laughs> a moment that I wasn't really sure if I should go or not. It was raining outside. Oh, OK, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right. So as you were doing that sort of uh, the initial phase of your training and, and maybe just after that point, so so you've decided that this is something that you really want to do. Um, how did you learn back then? Like, was there was there differences between how you understood and learned jujitsu then versus how you how you're learning jujitsu now? Yeah, yeah, there was uh, big differences um, because of the, also two things I would say the mentality back then was different mm-hmm. and there were not many resources back then you know like I said previously like nowadays is much easier I think people are getting better or 
getting uh, their black belts faster nowadays because there's so much information out, you know, out mm -hmm. that it's, if you really want to go, you, you know, you have enough stuff uh, to supplement your training. Back then, it was just like the only way you could learn was going to the gym, really, and learning directly from your instructor because there wasn't many books or, or videos. There was no instructions, by the way, mm -hmm. back then. And maybe one book, I remember, but, you know, you had to go to the gym to, to learn. And so it slows down the process, right? Because you have a one-hour class and then that's all is limited to that. And But also the mentality was different back then because back then it was really, really hard. You had to be a competitor back then. You, you are either training jiu-jitsu to compete in a jiu-jitsu tournament or MMA, which was called Valetudo back then. So everybody that was there at the gym, uh, they were athletes. You know, mm -hmm. there was no jiu-jitsu for the general population, let's say, or for the hobbyists. It was, you sign up to jiu-jitsu gym, you got to train hard. You got to be an athlete. And if you cannot keep up with that, you know, you either quit or kind of the instructor, he doesn't care about you. And mm -hmm. then eventually you're going to quit anyways because no one pays attention to you, you know. So, yeah, the, the also the teaching style back then, because it was so much focused on competition, there wasn't many, the instruction was not focused on the, concepts and really understanding jiu-jitsu the back then the idea was not understand jiu-jitsu the idea was just do it you know mm -hmm. you go there it doesn't matter what you do as long as it works if it's bad ugly technique it doesn't matter which is still true to this day if you go to a tournament it doesn't matter how you win as as long as you win but mm -hmm. uh, you know i remember that i was i left brazil when i was purple belt then I came here to the U.S. And I kind of, nowadays, I see the purple belts, They the understanding of the jiu-jitsu is much better than me, for example, mm -hmm. compared to me back then, because I didn't know much. I just, I just knew how to do some moves, some techniques, but I really didn't understand the, the art, you know? It was more like a... You know, yeah, I know how to do here, but if you ask me a question, kind of, uh, well... I don't know. This is what I do step by step, step one, step two, step three. But if you ask me conceptually, I would not understand much, you know. Nowadays, mm -hmm. I think it, the, it's much better. Than maybe the, you know, if you're a hobbyist, probably you don't perform as, as well as those athletes, but you understand more, you know. You can talk about it and and understand why things work, why things don't work. Even though you know you might get crushed, but <laughs> understanding is better, you know. Yeah, and do you think that you know that focus on on understanding the concepts, which which uh, sort of implicit in that is the idea that if you're if you're a good athlete and a good competitor and you understand the concepts, then that's like the package. That's what you're going for, right? That's that's the magic, yeah. but. But understanding the concepts, do you think that's a function of the different focus on teaching? Or is that a focus on, or is that more on the learner side, like the learners are hungrier for different types of, of training? Uh, I think 
you know, I can say that back then it was more coming from the instructor because I would like to learn much more concepts and, and have a better idea of what I was doing, but I couldn't because there was no resources outside of my instructor. And if my instructor was teaching the way he was teaching, you know, like just go for it, you know, here's the technique mm -hmm. that one, two, three, four, if you, you know, if it doesn't work, you know, it doesn't work Bye. you know, figure it out. But, <laughs> you know, and I think that's how I learned. And I, there was no other way, you know, I, they were teaching like that back then. And there was no outside resources. Nowadays, kind of, you can choose, you know, if you go to a gym that only teaches like that, you still can, you know, figure out concepts and better understanding online, you know, and, and purchase courses that are going to help you. Back then, you know, the mentality, like I said, was different. Almost every gym was like that, like just trying to, to breed champions and athletes and not really caring much if you understand what you're doing or not, you know. What matters is winning, getting your medals or trophies, and and, and that's it. So nowadays, if, if you're still training like that, that's your option because if you, you can look outside and, and understand more the art if you want to. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I'm imagining, you know, taking one of my interns and telling them to intubate by, okay, open the mouth, put the tube in, good, figure it out yourself. That's yeah. just, this is like not a way that you'd want anybody to try to save your life, right? And yeah. You know, and sometimes it would work and sometimes it doesn't. But but I think that, you know, I'm really fascinated by this idea because, you know, one of the great things about about the wealth of knowledge and, and where we are sort of in society in general is that you can be both an expert at some things and a student at others, right? Like you can be, like I can be an expert at emergency and a total beginner at jujitsu and yeah. together sort of like cross-pollinate and make these ideas come together. And so the idea of how do you learn a thing becomes really important. Um yeah. And I think what you said is very true about the wealth of knowledge out there. There's, there's, you know, in addition to the totally awesome stuff that you personally put on at MMA Leech, uh, there's a bunch of folks out there that have these amazing ideas. There's um, a guy I tend to to read his stuff a lot, um, John Donaher, who I'm almost always pronouncing his name wrong, right? You know, th this guy's a this guy's a, a PhD in yeah philosophy i think i uh, think so yeah he's very very smart and absolutely great 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 coach you know great coach oh incredible and the way that he dissects the the sort of a particular move from a conceptual framework is just is just really amazing sort of the exact opposite of like you know open the mouth put a tube in figure it out yeah yeah exactly oh. yeah that's why i think nowadays uh let's say yeah it's it's easier. I'm not. I'm not gonna say it's much easier, but it's definitely easier to to learn faster and to get your belts faster because everything now it's kind of it makes uh, you know there's so much information it makes more sense. You know, if you really dive into, you're gonna be able to connect the dots much faster. You know, the great instructor instructors out there online, you can learn so much stuff. And you know, like you said before the concepts and the understanding you know a plus with the athletics and the techniques that's what makes the 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 whole package there and that's why maybe 
the John Danaher guys, uh, they are really, mm-hmm. really dominating the, the sport now. They are doing very well, especially uh, Gordon Ryan, because mm-hmm. it, I think that teaching style is, is very important, you know, because if you understand the concepts and, and, and how jiu-jitsu works, you can improvise much in a much better way because you know you don't need to know the technique you just need to do to know the concept you can apply the concept into different techniques so it just makes your understanding better and when you are there when it really counts in a tournament or whatever situation you know you can you can think for yourself much much easier and figure out the situations yeah you know the techniques plus you know the the theoretical knowledge behind that so that's the whole package and that's where i see that uh, you know still kind of missing you know some structures for example i i changed my let's say my way of teaching i broke from that pattern from what i learned in the past because i learned that way i wasn't happy the way that i learned so I changed the way that I teach, right? I don't teach the same way my instructor taught to me because mm-hmm. it was just basically the techniques without concepts. So, but some instructors didn't change. That's the way they learn. That's the way they do still today. And there is a lot of gyms and a lot of students that they still receive information in that way. And it definitely makes a difference, you know, if you explain, if you share the knowledge, the, the concepts, the how things work instead of just, you know, step by step you know i think that makes a big difference for you know the students in general and if you have competitors you will probably have better competitors and and achieve more success because you know it's a more complete package without a doubt Mm, makes a lot of sense um I want to shift gears for for one second, if we can, uh, and flash forward in time a little bit. We talked a little bit about sort of the beginning of your jiu-jitsu career. So so take us a little farther for, forward, and maybe to one of the times where you're competing at one of the you know the world class events. Um, and can you talk us through a little bit about both like what that felt like to have the the extra pressure and the extra stress of the situation, and then also a little bit about how did you train for that in particular. Yeah, um, I think for me, it took a long time until I was uh, comfortable competing, you know. I started competing as white belt throughout the, all, all the belts, you know, but really at brown belt level. So maybe after almost 10 years competing, that's when I started to feel comfortable because I was very anxious, very, you know, I never liked to compete. I was basically forced to compete in the beginning because everybody was competing. Like I said, again, if, like I said before, if, if you don't compete, then you're out. You cannot mm-hmm. join the gym, right? So uh, for me, it took a while until I was able to actually enjoy and relax to the point where I was able to perform uh, at the same level that I was performing at the gym because I was mm-hmm. always like underperforming, right? Because of the nerves, the anxiety and everything. Too stiff, I couldn't move. And then basically after 10 years as a brown belt, I started to to relax a little more and just I think it was just over time, you know, competing, 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 finding the the 
the a, a good mindset for the day and then eventually i started to relax a little more and and taking like uh well it's not a big deal you know it's just just one more competition i've been doing this for a while you know mm -hmm. win if i lose it doesn't matter next month there's another competition and then i guess that's how i started to relax and and uh you know also my results uh you know got better you know because i had lots of third places second places before and few first places and then gold medals started to to come more often once i started to relax and just well this is just another day in the office let's go there <laughs> and you know no big deal you know because in the beginning no, it varies from people to people, but a lot of, uh, I guess, the, the, the most common feeling is that you are, like, you are not afraid of losing, but you are embarrassed, you know, if you lose in front of your friends, teammates, and in front of your coach, in front of the audience, you're kind of, you know, it doesn't feel good, of course, mm -hmm. <laughs> but then kind of you know after doing doing you know so many times kind of it doesn't matter you know most actually most people that go there they lose right <laughs> sure yeah so, there are only few gold medals right and most of people lose so you go there you try your best and if it doesn't work then next time it's gonna work and we just train harder you know and fix the mistakes right because you always learn whenever you compete you always learn when you're losing there's always some stuff that you can fix that you can adjust some holes that you didn't know you had in your game so over time you know i think if i had a better uh someone to help me with uh the mindset probably i would do better mm -hmm. or if i had you know bought some books about it you know how to perform uh, you know uh probably i would have a better mindset and go there more relaxed probably i would have uh, better results earlier in my career but you know there wasn't much teaching in that part or i didn't even think about you know buying some books to work my mental because you know it wasn't much talked about back then so hmm. when you just mentioned that about how you would learn something in a competition that you um that you realized you had to improve your game what what did that look like the next couple of days like did you did you write that down did you just go to the gym and just drill that over and over again that next week or what what's your strategy for for getting better from that point of view yeah so yeah gladly i guess after the Maybe even at Blue Belt, I had already always someone from my team or or my wife or my girlfriend at the time, they would record, you know, the the match. Mm -hmm. so because sometimes is during the confusion you don't even remember, right, what happened. Then you try sure. to think about you go home kind of oh I don't remember exactly what happened. So if there is someone filming it, it definitely helps. So I would go and, and I had a general idea what happened during the fight, but then I would watch the, the clip and see what happened. And, and yeah, I would see the mistakes that I made and I would uh, go to the gym and, you know, and, and drill them, you know, find solutions because you had to find the solution first, right? To see what right. the mistake was. And then, you know, it would take a few 
you know, hours thinking about after watching the video, okay, what should I have done? What, you know, should I move this way? Should I use a different technique? The guy's countering like this. And then you start building uh, counters or, a, 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 you know, a different game plan there for that specific situation. And yeah, I would think about it, analyze, then go to the gym and, and drill those techniques, you know, those specific moments that where I messed up to make sure that, you know, it doesn't happen again. And I have at least one, two, at least three options from there, right? If the guy does this, then I do that. And then, you know, building. Um, now that we are talking about that, I just realized that basically that's how I do <laughs> when I release my courses. I just, you know, it's I try to figure out uh, different uh or as many answers as I can from that specific situation. That's really interesting. The One of the episodes right before this, episode seven, where we had uh, Dr. Dana Sajid on, he was talking about how when he goes home after a really difficult shift, he goes back and he runs the, whatever that the challenging case was, trauma or medical or whatever, mm -hmm. he goes back and he, he replays the case in his mind and he yeah. stops at the point where he thinks something went wrong and he starts experimenting mentally. So he'll ask himself, well, what if I had done this? What if I had, what if I had changed this right here? What if we had, you know, activated this protocol earlier and then sort of plays it out in his head over and over again as a way of, as a way of getting better, um, which sounds very similar to the, the process you're, you're talking about here. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, that was huge for me. Like, it helped me a lot. I learned some stuff too when the I I I got some stuff from my opponents, some parts, some techniques, some part of their games, and I transferred into my game because well, if it's so effective against me, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna start doing it too, you know? And yeah, I picked up some stuff from my opponents, you know, I studied what they do, then you know, I started applying because uh, I think it's very, very useful, you know, analyze after things have happened, you know, even after you win, you know, when you win, kind of, yeah, kind of, I'm good. But, you know, when you lose, you're kind of more forced, like, oh, my God, I, I cannot keep losing. I have to fix this, you know, and then yeah, I think it's a really, really important to, you know, go there you know, reveal oh, what you did when you're losing, you know, so you can just keep learning and getting better. That's that's the goal, yes. One more thing I want to switch to slightly. I was reading an article on your website, MMA Leech, that was tips for white belts. And one of the things you said really resonated with me because there's a lot of crossover, again, to, to sort of emergency situations, which was... Uh, I forget what number it was, but it was don't let your emotions take over, especially when you're in a bad position. Yeah. Um, can you talk a little bit about that idea? That's basically <laughs> one of the, the most important things, I think, for everybody, but especially for the beginners, because it's too easy to panic, you know, too, and everybody has done that. I don't know anyone, you know, that Absolutely. haven't gone through that stuff, you know, because when someone, especially in a bad position, let's say you, someone is mounted on you or side control, and then you try to escape one time and then it doesn't work. Then, uh, okay, then you try again, it doesn't work. And then you just feel like, you know, you start feeling horrible because, you know, you're wasting energy. The person on top is still there, he's not moving. And 
you start uh, panicking and feel uh, claustrophobic you can't breathe and then it's just those things starts coming to your mind you know that sometimes it's not even true you know yes you mm -hmm. can breathe just focus there and you know find a little pocket there of air and start breathing you know but if you let the emotions go through and you start thinking like you know you start panicking oh i can't escape i can't escape this guy is too strong he's too good he's too heavy you know then things go bad really really quick you know and sometimes i think every beginner uh has tapped because not because of the submission just because he felt uncomfortable he felt like he couldn't breathe or mm -hmm. there was too much pressure on his chest let's say and he couldn't you know, he just panic basically you know and then he panics he tries to escape one two three times like uh, exploding and then he fails then the person taps and that's more common for the beginners but it still happens with the higher belts i've seen i've tapped when i was a brown belt first time that i rolled with fabrizio verdun who is the guy who promoted to black belt and he's a heavyweight but he's a world champion he's super good right mm -hmm. so i've tapped for pressure when he got to side control i couldn't escape and i start panicking i thought that was over already that well that's just for white belts and blue belts but well you know i was a brown belt at the time and i couldn't you know I, I panicked that time and i had to tap without any submission just because of the pressure mm -hmm. and i panicked and i couldn't escape so yeah that's that's one one big thing that the earlier you you learn how to deal with that the better because that's not going to stop you know throughout yeah. your your journey when you are a higher belt it, it it's much easier to not fall into those positions because you are so used and you have so much experience that you anticipate you prevent you don't let go that deep you know mm -hmm. so never kind of very rarely it gets that deep where you are completely getting crushed in a bad position right you're always you ha always have a little angle here a little angle there where the guy cannot establish that full control full position but in the beginning as a white belt or even blue belt it's very common it's like <laughs> You're gonna be there almost every class. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds very familiar. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, you have to. The earlier you know how to deal with that, just relax. You know, relax. Uh, find your breathing there. Don't panic. Try to escape one or two times. If it doesn't work, if you're still stuck, then it's time to relax. And instead of trying to escape, you gotta wait a little bit. Wait mm. for your opponent to move when he moves then is your opportunity to escape because if he's moving he has to give up some control and then that's the opportunity to escape he's not going to be as tight he's going to be a little bit off balanced because he's trying to go to mount or trying to move his legs or arms or trying to attack you the more he tries to attack you the more he has to give up some control and that's the opportunity to escape so it's just finding that comfortable place where you can breathe and you know waiting for the right opportunity it takes yeah uh, it takes a while until they'll develop that staying calm and relaxed there and waiting for the 
right opportunity, right? But it's the earlier we figure out that, the better because it can be very. If you let the the mind go to the wrong place, yeah, it, it's very easy to panic, very easy to to give up and think that you can't breathe, you're about to die, or stuff like that. But it's not really the the truth. Yeah, that's man, that's so deep, and you know we see that all the time in in emergency situations where you get people that are at the beginning or sometimes even more advanced, right? The, the instinct yeah. is still there to just freeze a little bit yeah. and to, you know, to say, well, I don't know what's happening here. And that, that fundamentally, you know, we really do have a choice and the choice is either panic or relax and apply knowledge. Yeah. And, if, you know, you got to keep making that choice. You got to keep training that choice and it doesn't necessarily get easier to choose it, but you get better at making the choice over time. I think. Yeah, totally. I, I agree with that. It's, is over time you you have a little more experience it's you know it's kind of okay i've been here before i know what to do you know mm-hmm. i cannot allow my mind to have these thoughts you know right bad thoughts and then just do you have to do like no emotion mechanically one step second step third step get out of that hole and you know cannot let your emotions play there too much otherwise it's it's just like and once it starts going down then it's just like downward spiral then kind of you're basically done it's hard to get back still possible but it's hard you know professor i want to um be mindful of our time here and and sort of wrap us up a little bit you know just to summarize a bit of what we covered today, which was awesome and and super rich, and you know, I'm I'm gonna come to your class tomorrow morning and see what of this, what small percentage of this I can apply in real life. But, um, you know, we covered uh, we covered sort of the arc of learning and teaching. You know, the idea of learning a skill and then starting to apply it under a little bit of pressure, and then gradually going until you're really applying it live, uh, and then the importance of once you're starting to do that, to go backward and learn from your mistakes, to really deconstruct them, and to use a combination of both visualization and then live practice to sort of improve based on what you've learned. Um, and then a lot of talk about mindset, about you know the understanding that there are choices that you make in yourself and in your training, both choices to take this sort of decision seriously, and then on a moment-to-moment, the choice about what parts of your mind to deploy. Is it panic or is it calm and relaxation? Thinking about all of that, wrapping all that up, any last comments or thoughts uh, and or anybody else that you'd ever want to see on this podcast? What I could say just to wrap up this is, you know, um, no, more specifically for jiu-jitsu now, you know, if you're a beginner, go to class and, you know, uh, be patient, learn your stuff, try to learn techniques step by step, Try to learn the mechanics, try to learn the concepts behind you because the concepts you can apply to different techniques. And, um, you know, just like, yeah, like I said before, like, don't panic. The, the, the first year probably is going to be the worst year where you're going to, you know, really decide if you're going to keep with Jiu-Jitsu to the rest of your life or if you want to quit because... It's very, very hard. And depending on the gym that you are going to, it could be even harder, right? Mm-hmm. Some, some gyms, they they put you against the, the lions right away. They don't care. And some gyms, they take care of you a little more. But first year is uh, you're going to see if you're going to keep or not. And, you know, 
try to do your best, try to not panic. Remember what we talked about here today. It's part of the process. Learn how to control yourself mentally. You know that you're not going to die. You're not going to, you know, be out of breath. If you think you're going to be out of breath, out of breath probably you will be. So <laughs> that's control, certainly true. <laughs> control your mind and it's not the end of the world. If you have to tap, you tap. But go back home, study. Watch you made it, uh, your mistakes and you'll probably get better over and over, over time. You know, you, you'll be able to last, let's say. So great. So great. Don't, don't panic and enjoy the ride. Enjoy Love the it. ride. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> Professor, thank you so, so much for talking to us. Totally an honor to, to be able to dig into this with you. Yeah, it was really good to me. Honored to meet you then. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Emergency Mind podcast. I hope you enjoyed it, but more importantly, I hope you found something in there that you can use next time you find yourself in the middle of an emergency. To learn more about what we talked about in this episode and about building your emergency mind in general, head over to our website at emergencymind.com.